So did I get a chance to tell you about my new business idea over the weekend? No. It is a uh, boutique bakery that specializes Watch. in pound cake. Oh yes, you did tell me. So it's going to be called Pound Town. Yes. So think like, hey, where did you guys go on your first date? Oh, he took me down to Pound Town. And they can also, they can have a specialty item. It's miniature pound cakes called Pound Puppies. Yeah. So this is not Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Season 7, Episode 19 of Cinema Chop Shop. This is a movie podcast that concedes that remakes are going to happen, so why shouldn't movie buffs decide who is recast in those iconic roles? My name is... Invisible Travis Sasson, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Travis Silent But Deadly. Oh, you're a disgrace to your ancestors. Uh, and I'm joined here in the shop by my co-host and co-producer, Shinobi Sean. Yes. A.K.A. Shadow Skills Sean. A.K.A. The Silent Assassin. <laughs> and uh, we were supposed to be joined by Chop Shop regulator, Chelsea, but she threw a smoke bomb and then just disappeared. But her nicknames would have been Chelsyber Ninja, A.K.A. Secret of the Scroll. A.K.A. Nunchaku Chelsea. Nice. Further description of the show, the tagline at the top says, Watch Chop Retrofit, because essentially that's what we do here. We watch older movies, sometimes classic films with iconic actors, and then we retrofit them by tweaking the design with new parts. Quick disclaimer, we're not actually in favor of the remake, reboot, sequel-dependent cinematic culture. This is more of an exercise in satire and irony. We try to be funny. And sometimes we succeed. Dubbed over in English. (laughs) That will bring us to our first segment, and this is movie news. And this is where, throughout the week, Sean and I try to pay attention to news stories that relate to the world of cinema or remakes or the topic of our show. And unfortunately, this week we have three RIPs to start it off with. Oof. Uh, First, we've got the French actor Michael Lonsdale who played the James Bond villain Hugo Drax in Moonraker. He died at the age of 89. On the bright side, he died at home in Paris. Okay. Uh, He was also in The Remains of the Day and The Name of the Rose. Next, we've got Ron Cobb, designer of the Alien Ship and the Back to the Future DeLorean, has died at the age of 83, unfortunately, of Lewy body dementia. And you discovered something further about his career this week, right? Yeah, he was instrumental in the, the design of several of the alien species in the Moss Eisley Cantina scene in Star Wars. Including Hammerhead. I wonder about Greedo. I wonder if he was involved with Greedo. And then finally, rest in peace to Jackie Stallone, mother of Sylvester Stallone, and Big Brother, Celebrity Big Brother star has died in her sleep at the age of 98. Wasn't she like a celebrity psychic at some point? I don't know, but that's fascinating. Dana. So rest in peace and rest in power to all three of them. And moving it into some further stories, we've got Studio Ghibli, or Ghibli, Studio Ghibli? I think it's Ghibli. Studio Ghibli has released 400 free images from their beautiful anime movies. Not that there was a lack of Studio Ghibli images on the internet, but now they're free and legal to use. That's pretty cool. It's very cool. (laughs) Next, this is one I know you're excited about. It's Justice League news. 
Zack Snyder is filming new scenes with Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot, Isla Fisher, and more. When will it ever end? When will it even come out? I thought it was supposed to be on HBO now already. It, it already came out. They're trying to put together this god awful Snyder cut. That's what I'm talking about. They thought that, I thought uh, that that was already. It's supposed all to be it's out. all rumors and bullshit. Uh, Tribeca Film Festival is going to add video games to its official lineup starting in 2021. That's pretty cool. Uh, so I guess the relationship between movies and video games has become so concrete that they're now going to involve that. And I wonder if they're just going to be doing video games based on movies. Uh, I doubt it because those properties are pretty bad. Yeah. Um, okay. And I actually had read a, a article that said the best film to be released this year was last of us two on PlayStation. Oh, wow. Okay. It's a great storyline and a very cinematic type of video game. So um, that, that this is good. This is timely. And I think that uh, it's interesting to see how this plays out. I agree. Uh, next, we've got Black Widow, West Side Story, and Eternals have all postponed their release dates due to the pandemic and probably the low box office returns of the few films that have come out uh, recently, have tried to come out in theaters recently. Yeah, and I also read that uh, they're talking about doing a Nick Fury series on Disney Plus with, with, Samuel, with L. Samuel L. Jackson. Nice. Samuel L. motherfucking Jackson. Speaking of theaters, Halloween, Halloween 4, and Halloween 5 are returning to theaters in October. And my question is, why not Halloween 2? What's yeah. wrong with Halloween 2? Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Halloween 2. I can understand them omitting Halloween 3 because Halloween Season of the Witch is not part of the continuity of the Michael's, Michael Myers uh, universe. Next, Universal lands a hot one. Stuntman-turned-director David Leach is to helm an untitled stuntman drama starring Ryan Gosling, who will also produce that. And you were saying you heard about maybe a documentary that's coming out soon about female stunt people? Yes. Yes, kind of a uh, look at how the stunts are done, which is always fascinating to me anyway, but specifically the women in that industry. And I still contend... Stunts needs to be in the Oscars. Oh, it should. Absolutely. 100, 100%. That will wrap us up on movie news. And uh, do you hear a gong ringing? That <laughs> must mean that it's time for the Department of Corrections Department with Chief Corrections Officer Dana. Ahoy, choppers. Chris Rock is not involved with the reboot of Candyman. The fabulous Baron Munchausen inspired The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Gillian's film was based on Baron Munchausen's narrative of his marvelous travels and campaigns in Russia. So I guess the fabulous Baron Munchausen was based on the book by the transitive property. I'm inclined to pronounce it Milo too for some reason, but it's Milo Ventimiglia. I couldn't find Get Duped on Netflix. It's on Amazon Prime. Dirk Pitt is the name from the novel, and from a series of novels. Lincoln is Ford's luxury vehicle division. That's all I got. Woo! Hooray! We did it! Whoa, boy. Is it bring your child to prison day? Maybe send your child to prison day. Uh, but we do appreciate your hard work, Dana. And that will close the doors on the Department of Corrections Department for this week. Which brings us to 
the theme of the episode. At the behest of Sean, what are we talking about this week? Ninja movies. Ninja movies. And I think that this uh, comes from a place of nostalgia. Absolutely. These movies are terrible. They're really bad. <laughs> but uh, I was thinking about how there was a certain time in my life. In the early to mid 80s. Yeah. The ninja craze Ninjas was were everywhere. And you say that. It's true. Um, you couldn't go anywhere without being able to purchase throwing stars, which I own quite a few. Yes. Still to this day. <clears throat> no, I don't. <laughs> but... Uh, I remember there being magazines, almost like a Soldier of Fortune magazine, but it was about ninjas yes. and quote unquote real life ninjas and the stories of how to become a ninja. And each of these magazines had several pages of mail order uh, sheets from different companies that would sell you these weapons by mail. M-A-I-L. Yes. Um, so I sent you a resource this week. I think it was called VintageNinja.com. Oh yeah. Super and it cool. it has so many different categories. It's like... Ninja movies, ninja TV shows, real life ninjas. Uh, so check that out if you're interested. Quick uh, historical background on ninjutsu in cinema and in fiction in general. The image of the ninja entered popular culture in the Edo period in Japan when folk tales and plays about the ninja were conceived. Stories about the ninja are used are usually based on historical figures. For instance, many similar tales exist about the daimyo challenging a ninja to prove his worth. Uh, ninjas appear in many forms of Japanese and Western popular media, including books, television, animation, movies, video games, anime, manga, and American comic books. From ancient Japan to modern world media, popular depictions range from the realistic to the fantastical exaggerated, both fundamentally and aesthetically. So yeah, that's what we're going to be uh, having fun with today is ninja movies. Are you excited? <laughs> I'm super excited. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go ahead and go into our next segment, which is the Midnight Double Feature. And this is where those of us who are present today uh, will pick two movies that are within our category at hand for the week. And we'll talk about why they're related to each other and would be a good pairing for a public showing. And Sean, what is your double feature this week? <laughs> to call it a movie is a bit of a stretch, but okay. it was packaged as two separate films to promote the NBC television show, The Master. The Master, of course, came out in 1985, I believe. And this uh, starred Lee Van Cleef in okay. the role of The Master. Now, you'll know Lee from... Uh, a lot of the uh, Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns. Yes, okay. You'd also know him from Escape from New York. So this is kind of a legendary actor in his decline. You know, in, in, he's on he's on the back nine. He's of on his the career. precipice of his, he's, his decline. Yeah, and and to 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 cast this guy as a ninja master, I guess in a teacher role makes sense. But they kept putting him into these scenes where he was actually doing shit. And it was really tough seeing Lee gotcha. have to do some action sequences at his advanced age. He needed a stuntman. This also stars Timothy Van Patten, uh, son of Dick Van Patten. Uh huh. You um, mentioned him recently. Well, I was telling you about this. Uh, the guy talks like he's got his mouth full of wet cotton balls. How this guy got a lead role is a testament to Dick Van Patten's nepotism strang stranglehold yeah. on Hollywood. Yes. 
it's it's pretty lousy. Uh, they also travel around in an A-team van. A windowless van, if oh. you will. But it even has like striping like the A team. And I'm like, how do you put this on your own network, NBC, when right. you have a hit show, the A team, and expect people to say, Oh, that's pretty original. Yeah. Uh, I guess they just think like synergy, more any publicity is good publicity. Anyway, Master One was two episodes, Master Two was two episodes. Worthy of note, Demi Moore was in the first episode of The Master. No shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not not great. Not to be confused with the film, The Master, that was loosely based on Scientology. (laughs) All right, my Midnight Double feature. Actually, we should say what Chelsea would have done if she wouldn't have disappeared on us. She was going to do Three Ninjas. I think she was going to... And Three Ninjas Kick Back. No, no, I think she was going to do Three Ninjas, and she was going to do, uh, even though she's used it before, uh, Mortal Kombat. Okay, right on. Featuring Sub-Zero and... uh, Scorpion. Scorpion, yes. All right. So my double feature is, I don't even have to explain the relationship because it's part one and part two of the franchise. I've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990. It's got a 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, directed by Steve Barron, and based on the comic book characters created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. In New York, mysterious radioactive ooze has mutated four sewer-dwelling turtles into talking, upright-walking, crime-fighting ninjas. The intrepid heroes, Michelangelo, Donatello, who was voiced by Corey Feldman in the first movie, Raphael, and Leonardo, are trained in the ninjutsu arts by their rat sensei, Splinter. When a villainous rogue ninja, who is a former pupil of Splinter, Shredder, arrives and spreads lawlessness throughout the city. It is up to the plucky turtles to stop him. I um, was just the right age for this when it came out. And the uh, not so much the comic books, but the animated series was extremely popular, as were the action figures. Yeah. And the um, the movie was a, an, a gold mine just See, waiting to happen. I was a big fan of the comics because... Okay. They were a direct parody of Frank Miller's Daredevil okay. and Elektra storyline in the Daredevil comics, which also were made into films very badly. Yes. Uh, featuring ninjas. But, uh, you know, Master Splinter is Stick from the Daredevil comics. And, of course, uh, all of the Ninja Turtles. Uh, boy, they meant it to be a parody, but okay. they did it in such a nice way of, of like taking themselves so seriously in a tongue in cheek way that. People really bought into it, and they they made a mint, and continue to do so today and, on this property. Uh, it should be noted that Daredevil was played by Ben Affleck, and Elektra was played by his wife at the time, Jennifer Garner. Oh, yeah. All right. And also, of course, the names of the Ninja Turtles are references to Renaissance Masters. Then we've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, <laughs> which came out in 1991 they really took their time (laughs) cranking out that sequel 35 percent on rotten tomatoes different director this time we've got michael pressman the teenage mutant ninja turtles again battle their arch enemy the rogue ninja shredder shredder attempts revenge by obtaining the same radioactive ooze that created the turtles and unleashing two new monstrous mutants toka an oversized snapping turtle and razar a fearsome wolf. <laughs> the reason they had to create these two characters is because Eastman and Laird wouldn't let them use Bebop and Rocksteady in the sequel. Yep. Um, 
When Shredder plans to use the remaining ooze himself, the Turtles must harness their ninja fighting skills to stop him. The film is dedicated to the memory of Jim Henson, who had died the previous May. Oh, yeah. And we cannot talk about Secret of the Ooze without the uh, Vanilla Ice video that was included in the, I think, in the credits uh, featuring the Ninja Turtles. And instead of go, white boy, go, white boy, go, he says, go, ninja, go, ninja, go. Oh, man. Oh, man. They are, once again, products of nostalgia. That's the reason they're my double feature. And rest in peace, Jim Henson. Rest in peace, Vanilla Ice. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, he's fine. He's just asleep. He's Robert Rip Van Winkle. (laughs) Yes. All right, that brings us to our feature segment, which is the recast. And this is where we take a particular film that is within our category of the week, and we hypothetically recast a few of the main roles with contemporary actors who are at the height of their ninja skills. And so the first one that we're going to um, drop our wrath on is... American Ninja from 1985. Uh, it seems to me that you were familiar with this film prior to this. Actually, no. Okay. I, had, I I watched it for the first time. I had done some reading, and these are quote-unquote recommendations uh-huh. of good ninja movies. 1985, we've got a 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. The elusive 0%. Uh, directed by Sam Furstenberg. Sam Furstenberg. And it was distributed by the notorious Canon Canon Films. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, In the torrid heart of the Philippine jungle, a humble U.S. private suddenly develops legendary skills and stealth. Believing that he is the possessor of ancient martial artistry, he takes on the fearsome black ninja in a final duel. (laughs) I know that's glossing over a few things. What else do the listeners need to know? Um, This could easily have been called a military ninja in the Philippines. Yes. Uh, This is so much army-based footage, it's ridiculous. The plot is not thick. Oh, no, (laughs) not at all. Yeah, um, this guy is kind of a loner. And uh, he suddenly shows up one day. He's the new guy at the army base. Mm-hmm. And nobody seems to know who he is, which I thought was kind of laughable. But the uh, the corrupt colonel, as we later find out, uh-huh. his daughter gets caught up in a convoy. I guess they were trying to take her somewhere with a bunch of other soldiers. Right. They're ambushed by ninjas. Uh-huh. And uh, Michael Dudikoff, our lead uh, actor, playing Joe T. Armstrong. What a name. Ar- his arms are strong, though. Um he intervenes and helps fight off this ninja threat. But uh, yeah, there's some uh, collusion going on between the, the ninjas and the uh, top brass in the military. And... I, I felt that it was delightfully bad. Oh, yeah, oh, it's it, it's <clears throat> so bad. You just have to kind of laugh at it. Um, it does have its uh, charm. It does have its high points. And we'll get into some of these actors and why they kind of get a laugh or they make me smile at least. All right, so speaking of the roles we're recasting, first we've got Private Joe Armstrong, played by Michael Dudikoff. That's Michael Malaria Dudikoff. (laughs) He was 31 at the time. We mentioned last week that he told German media that the reason he was sweating so much in the later scenes of this film is because he contracted malaria. Then we've got Patricia Hickok, daughter of Colonel William Hickok, who is Armstrong's commanding officer, 
played by Judy Aronson, who was just 21 at the time. And we would know her as Hilly from Weird Science. Oh, okay. I knew I recognized her. So her dad's name was Bill Hickok. Yes. As in Wild Bill Hickok. Yeah. And there are pictures of Wild Bill on his walls in his house. A little bit on the nose. Uh, Just a tad. And then we've got uh, Corporal Curtis Jackson, who is a uh, fellow military uh, enlisted man, or not an enlisted man, he's a corporal. But he challenges Armstrong on like the first day on the base and learns that he must respect his ninja skills. He's pretty much the highlight of the movie, in my opinion. He, he's a, a charismatic actor. Yes. And the guy's cut. Very. And, uh, and a side note, I do know a military man named Curtis Jackson. Everybody calls him first, as in first sergeant. Uh, but Curtis Jackson drove a Geo Metro sometimes, a little geo metro hatchback and they called it the g unit because curtis jackson is also the given name of 50 cent (laughs) (laughs) then we've got uh the black star ninja played by tadashi yamashita who was 43 at the time and he's our big bad in the movie with a lot of eyeliner yes uh so are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. Who is your private Joe T. Armstrong? All right. So this is kind of a themed round for me. All right. Um, so I wanted to go with a similarly aged actor. He's 32 years old and he can be seen in The Duff, The Tomorrow People, Ark on Netflix. That's A-R-Q. Okay. Uh, he was That's also, a sci-fi series? Uh, this one, it was on Netflix. I don't okay. know if it was a sci-fi, but... Uh, he had a brief stint on the Flash TV series as well as that reboot of X-Files. Uh, you'll remember him as the uh, shitty boyfriend in The Babysitter. Okay. So he did some action sequences in some of these films. I went with Robbie Amell. Ah, Robbie Amell. Uh, he's not the Arrow, but the brother of the Arrow. Is that um, right? You're right. Yes. Yes, that's his brother. All right. My Private Joe Armstrong, I don't have an age on him. I, I don't know why, but he is a writer producer, actor, and director. Uh, He's in a movie called Blood Machines, and he also wrote, directed, and starred in Kung Fury, as well as the upcoming Kung Fury 2, co-starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. All right. Kung Fury. Have you seen it? No. Oh, the first one is a short film or a featurette. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yes. And they're making a sequel where Arnold is playing the president. Very intentionally a, a nod. 80s throwback yes. slash like kung fu movie. Yeah. Uh, it was so good. It was really bad. It was good. David Sandberg is his name. Nice. And if you look up David Sandberg, you're going to get a Swedish actor. That's how unwell known this guy is. All right. Next up, we've got Patricia Hickok, the daughter of the colonel and the female lead played by... Judy Aronson, who was 21 at the time. And who was your pick for her? I went with a 24-year-old, and uh, you would know her from um, Final Fantasy VII as a uh, voice actress. She was in Son of the Mask. She was in the uh, TV series Body of Proof. But most recently, you can see her in the TV series Cobra Kai. Nice. As Samantha LaRusso. Uh-huh. Her name is Mary Mauser. She's the daughter. Yes, she's the daughter of Danielson. Good job. My actress is 21 now. Uh, she's in Liza, Liza, Skies Are Gray, 
She's in All Rise, but she's most well-known for her role in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as Sadie, who was based on a real-life member of the Manson family. Her name is Mikey Madison. Mikey Madison. Oh, yeah, I remember her. I'm 70% sure her name is pronounced Mikey. It's M-I-K-E-Y. I guess it could be a, a weird spelling of Mickey. Next, we've got Corporal Curtis Jackson, played by Steve James, who was 33 at the time. Who did you go with for this? All right, so I went with a 31-year-old actor, and uh, he's uh, he's rather built. Mm-hmm. He's rather cut, like the original, but he's also uh, adept at doing action sequences, as he's proven in his most recent project. But I'll back up a second. Uh, he was in When We Rise, mm-hmm. White Boy Rick. I haven't seen that yet. The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Hmm. But you can see him right now on HBO on Lovecraft Country. I went with Jonathan Majors. Nice. Man, Lovecraft Country is so good. So good, drink. Drink. All right, my actor is um, 35 now. He's in Dear White People, the movie and the TV show. Okay. He's in the recent horror film inheritance and he's also in the recent film that we both watched and liked antebellum playing the husband of the main character his name is either mark richardson or marquee richardson <laughs> m-a-r-q-u-e richardson gotcha is going to be my corporal curtis jackson we've got one more the black star ninja played by tadashi yamashita who was 43 at the time, impressed me. One of the 45-year-old actor from Ishikawa, Japan. Nice. From birth, he was a force to be reckoned with. At an early age, he exhibited major skills and cat-like reflexes. Like coming out of the womb. Exactly. Putting these skills to use and excelling in martial arts such as judo and boxing, he's made quite a living for himself <laughs> he was birthed and he threw down a smoke bomb he and did. went back in he did he was in 2005's shinobi heart under blade okay uh 2008 uh sakagaki otokujuku i'm sure i butchered I that one that exactly right uh he was in yakuza weapon and uh in 2000 he was in versus and uh, he's just, he was in a TV series called Clover. I think that might be an American TV series. Okay. Anyway, his name is Tak Sakaguchi. Nice. So you went with a legit martial artist as yes. well. And I went with people who have done some action on film. I, for this pick, I also went with a martial artist. He's an Indonesian actor and martial artist. He was in Mortal Kombat. He was in Fast and Furious 6. And most people would know him from The Raid Redemption his name is Joe Taslim. Oh, that's a good pick. I like that. Joe Taslim is going to be my Black Star Ninja. Final thoughts on American Ninja? It's laughably bad. Laughably bad and pleasingly bad. Yeah. Like it don't don't expect any like profound <laughs> knowledge or wisdom to come from this. It's it's not one of those movies. There's plenty to laugh at to keep you entertained. Yes. All right. Well, with that, we're going to go ahead and go into intermission, but not before we say, let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby and get ourselves some rice cakes and throwing stars. 
All right, Chop Shoppers, thank you for bearing with us during intermission. This is your host, Travis, and I just have one question for you, Sean. What is one way we could make our podcast more prominent? Oh, if our listeners would rate and review us on iTunes. Rate, review, and subscribe to us oh, yeah, subscribe. on iTunes. And, and, or, and, and pin your friends down and, and force them to do it. Make them go ahead and do a review. We're very under like, like, like Make it a whole pyramid scheme. Get the people under them yeah. to do it. and multiply A podsy that. scheme. Oh, I like it. Yes. You folks who are listening right now, it would be fantastic if while you're listening or right after, you don't have to stop the show, don't stop the show. But if afterwards you could go to iTunes and give us a review or a rating, that would be awesome as well. Or on whatever uh, podcatcher app it is that you're listening to us. We're on a few of them. And also uh, be aware of our online presence. We have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash cinema chop shop. We're hosted natively online on Podbean. It's Cinema Chop Shop on Podbean. And our Twitter handle is at Cinema Chop Shop. We do a lot of stuff on there like our movie marathon where Sean consistently kicks my ass. Also, our uh, email address is cinemachopshop at gmail.com. You can email us anytime. We check it frequently. The beers that we check in after intermission, you're about to find out about some, are always checked in on untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. And we are Cinema Chop Shop on there. Once again, thank you to you, the listeners. Thank you for tuning in and enjoy the rest of the show. And now... On with the show. All right. Welcome back, Chop Shoppers, and thank you for bearing with us during intermission. And when we come back from intermission, what do we like to do, Sean? Beer check-ins. And we have a somewhat on-theme beer here. It is a Sapporo, which is a... In the United States, this one is called premium beer, but in Asian countries, it's referred to as Sapporo Draft. And the uh, Sapporo Breweries... Uh, Sapporo is a Japanese beer brewing company founded in 1876. Wow. So 144 years in the game. And they are the oldest Japanese brewery and the most popular Asian beer in the United States. So we're going to crack that open. And I'm not expecting anything to write home about. This is pretty standard lager. I'm familiar with this beer. It's easy drinking and... uh very on theme yeah it's it is what it is so i was a little bit concerned after i purchased it because i was like yeah i know sapporo is a japanese beer 100 percent fucking sure and then i looked at it and it was like product of vietnam and i was like what no but apparently they have several breweries in japan one in milwaukee and one in vietnam and the company recently bought a canadian brewery called Sleeman Breweries in 2006. That's not that that recently. (laughs) And Chelsea and and Buck. All right. So let me try some of that. It's clean. It's easy drinking. Yep. I'd I'd take it over a Miller Lite any day. Yeah. There's nothing offensive about it at all. All right. So while we enjoy that, we are going to go ahead and get into the 2020 movie marathon. And this is where Sean and I and Chelsea and... Andrew and whoever else would like to participate, try to watch as many films as we can throughout the calendar year. And we check them in on Letterboxd and Twitter with the hashtag 2020 Movie Marathon. 
And as of this recording, it is the 269th day of the year. <laughs> all right, all right. And I'm on number 324. I only saw three new to, or excuse me, four new to me movies this week. I'm on 336. All right, what's your first check-in? So I'm going to, uh, you mentioned it, that I watched it. I'm going to talk about it briefly since you talked about it last week. Uh, Antebellum. So fucking good. Uh, Janelle Monet. Um, I'm so glad that you told me to... Not read anything. Just don't watch, watch it. it. Yes. Don't, because I was really confused um, as to what I would be in for and within like the first 10, 15 minutes, and then things really start getting kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And... One thing that I will say, and this is not a spoiler, what you think is the twist is not the twist. So my first check-in of the week is going to be number 322, and it's called My Octopus Teacher. And this is a documentary on Netflix. Filmmaker Craig Foster spends a year free diving and following an octopus off the coast of South Africa. So... Uh, obviously when he says my octopus teacher, he's, um, he's learning some things from one of these animals that is, uh, underratedly intelligent. And at the same time, you've got a lot of really stunning underwater cinematography. Uh, so I liked it quite a bit. And I think that the, the impetus behind him doing this was that he was frustrated in his film career. And so he went back to uh, the sea where he liked to swim when he was a kid and then developed a relationship with this octopus. And I mean that in the most serious of senses. <laughs> Did things get inky? Yes. Speaking of <laughs> Japanese fiction. I knew you were watching tentacle porn. <laughs> <laughs> it was for research. <clears throat> yeah. Uh-huh. All what right. you got next? My next check-in. It's on theme. It's Ninja 3, The Domination. Okay. And technically it could be called Kunoichi, the domination, because that's a female ninja and this is a female ninja movie. Well, that's cool. Um, sort of. It sounds cooler than it really is. Okay. Uh, this woman is possessed by the spirit of a semi-deceased evil ninja. And uh, he was gunned down by a series of cops. And uh, he has the faces of the police officers clearly emblazoned in his psyche and when he sees them actually well rather when she sees them she flips into ninja mode and starts killing off these cops so it's a revenge film it is but it's unjustified he's the bad guy he deserved it um uh, the okay. coolest part about this movie though is this girl's apartment it looks like it was decorated from Spencer's Gifts. Okay. It is so cool. There's neon everywhere. There's a Nagel print. Do they have uh, uh, the nudie coffee mug? She didn't have that, <laughs> but it, it just just a lot of, of mid-80s era type of high fashion, really cool background you know, decor. So that was kind of fun. There is a really good climactic battle sequence at the end. And I, this is Ninja 3 being the third in the series, obviously. Did you go back and watch Ninja I did 1 not, and 2? I did not because I had read that this, just watch this one as a standalone. The only tether this Slacker. Had, well, you know, time being what it is. Um, the only tether to 1 and 2 is the this guy that's kind of in the shadows throughout the whole movie. And he mm -hmm. presents himself at the end as being the arch enemy of the evil ninja. So this kind of puts a close on their battle against each other. That's a continuous motif in these films, the shadows. 
Yes. All right. Uh, so my next film is also going to be a ninja film. Uh, this is called Five Element Ninjas. Five Element Ninjas, and this is on Netflix. And this is a this is just a straight up description because the movie's crazy and wild as fuck. A young martial artist seeks revenge on the ninja who kills his martial arts brothers and teacher. He finds help in the form of a new teacher who knows ninjutsu and new brothers. Together, the four pupils face the five element ninjas. The best part of the movie is that there's these five ninja gangs and they each utilize different uh, different powers of or different elements. Uh, wood, earth, gold, and water. Okay. Yeah. Um, my final check-in. Another... Oh, excuse me. Wood, oh. earth, gold, water, and fire. That's oh. five. There you go. Um, my final check-in, another ninja movie. It's The Octagon, starring okay. Chuck Norris. My octagon teacher. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I said in my review, if Enter the Dragon recruited rednecks to compete. Okay. Um, you know, how, you know, Enter the Dragon was yes. kind of like this international competition. Mm-hmm. Think of it as if the octagon was like this, it's almost like a church of Scientology, but it's like ninjas. And they're recruiting these people to join, but they don't really kind of know what they're getting into. And they all seem to be a bunch of drunken rednecks from like a bar. Blood sport. Yeah, yeah. There's a little <laughs> bit of blood sport element in there. Um, Chuck Norris is an internationally renowned karate expert. and So real life. Real life, yes. And uh, he tries to go undercover and join up and figure out what's going on with this outfit. Of course, they all know who he is because he's internationally known. But uh, the creepiest fucking thing about this film, it's chock full of Chuck Norris's inner dialogue. It's chock full. I also like that you said undercover and outfit in the same sentence. I'm just picturing a ninja outfit. <laughs> so he thinks to himself in the film and you, the viewer, are privy to his thoughts, but they stack it his audio. So it's like this weird echo effect. Oh, okay. And it, it's the creepiest thing in the film. I said, um, Chuck Norris's inner dialogue freaked me the fuck out. It's how I imagine serial killers thinking to themselves complete with echo effects. Yeah. Okay. It's weird. Um, it's actually a pretty decent action flick. Um, there are ninjas in it. Not a true ninja movie in that Chuck's not one, but, uh, I wish we had recast this film. It's a lot of fun. In the remake, uh, instead of the echo effect, they would have used auto-tune. My final check-in for this week is number 324, and it's a movie that I just finished watching right before this recording. Uh, My lovely wife, Michelle, and I drink. Drink. uh, Started watching it last night, I believe, and then finished it today. Uh, Also on Netflix, it's called Enola Holmes. Enola Holmes is based on a series of young adult fiction novels, and it is starring Millie Bobby Brown and Superman from Justice League, Henry Cavill, uh, as Sherlock Holmes. Outstanding cast and a thoroughly engaging story, like I said, based on the young adult book series of the same name. I really see the potential for a franchise. Well, good. She's going to outgrow Stranger Things. Um, And speaking of outgrowing Stranger Things, uh, she's kind of grown into herself a little bit, her face especially. She's quite beautiful in this, almost in a Kira Knightley kind of way. How's her acting? 
I think it's good. Good. Okay. Yeah, I think she did. I think she did an excellent job. She strikes me as being very awkward, which is why she's so well, good as Eleven. Yeah, well, she she was playing that awkward role in uh-huh. in Eleven, but her her mom is played by Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, cool. And she's raised by her mom after Sherlock and Mycroft have left on their own careers. Okay. And uh, her mother teaches her. Uh, cryptology and cryptography and fighting and all the skills she's going to need to be a young detective on her own path. Sweet. Uh, before we jump into our next segment, Ooh, yeah, uh, we're going to say happy anniversary to ourselves, to ourselves unofficially. We don't know when it began, but we think that we are three years in. We, we're pretty close to three years in. So I remember <laughs> 21st of September. <laughs> So this is from Kane Brewing. This is called 2922 Anniversary Ale. This is a blend of barrel-aged imperial stouts and porters. Oh, okay. I asked you if it was big, and you're like, oh, I don't know. It's a, it's large. Well, it doesn't give It's a me... blend of barrel-aged imperial stouts and porters. It's going to be big. Well, yeah, I guess. Oh, 12.3. So uh, let's get shit-faced. I deduced correctly. Way to go, Sherlock. The game is afoot. <laughs> Keep digging, Watson. Ooh, the aroma's nice on this. Oh, yeah. I, I get a lot of the oak and the oh, wow. stout. This has been aged for at least a year, okay. by the way, in my personal stash. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, it's not uh it's not overwhelming. It's not like a boozy kick in the face like I was expecting. <laughs> a ninja kick in the face. A ninja kick in the face. That means that it's time for the recast continued part two, the sequel and the movie. This movie is somehow better than American Ninja. (laughs) It's called Beverly Hills Ninja from 1997. It has a 14% on Rotten Tomatoes and it was directed by Dennis Dugan. Uh, That name sounds familiar to me with like, mid 90s SNL alum movies yeah uh starring Chris Farley when a young American boy washes ashore near a village populated by skilled Japanese warriors they raise the child as one of them and instruct him in the ways of ninjutsu unfortunately he grows up to be the overweight and inept but very enthusiastic Haru played by Chris Farley who remains intent on becoming a real ninja Haru's first assignment protecting a beautiful woman from California. It doesn't go smoothly, though, since he's both uncoordinated and completely unaccustomed to Western culture. Uh, So the beautiful woman from California is played by Nicolette Sheridan. And where did you say we we should know her from? Uh, Desperate Housewives. The real Desperate Housewives of New Jersey? No, just Desperate Housewives on ABC. And she, when she meets uh, Haru, the rest of the ninjas are off doing ninja things, and he's left to uh, guard the temple by <laughs> he himself. He kind of shows her around the place. And he dresses, when they're gone, he dresses up like a ninja, so she assumes he is a ninja. And yeah. She seeks his help because she has suspicions about her boyfriend, who is named Martin Tanley, played by the British actor Nathaniel Parker. And while he's doing recon, he discovers that Tanley is part of a counterfeit ring. And we later discover that um, Nicolette Sheridan's character, uh, Sally Jones, 
that may not be her real name. She has some ulterior motives and uh, she more than suspects her boyfriend, uh, Martin Tanley, of ill doings. Then we have the sensei, played by Soon Tech Oh, who was 65 at the time. And I'm really excited about my pick for this one. Mine too. I'm pretty sure we've got the same person. It's possible, but maybe not. And then finally, we've got Joey Washington, who is a bellboy at the Beverly Hills Hotel, where Chris Farley first takes up residence when he gets to California. <laughs> and repeatedly loses his shoes. <laughs> played by Chris Rock, who was just 32 at the time. What am I missing? He is shadowed by his brother. Brother, uh, yes. His adopted the, brother from the... Uh, Gobi. Uh, Gobe, who is played by uh, Robin Shaw. Uh-huh. Uh, and the the brother who's shadowing him, uh, he's doing it in secret, and he's also helping him along yes. his mission. He is a very skilled ninja. Yes. And I think he was also in Mortal Kombat. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and get into the recasting of this. We've got Haru, played by Chris Farley, who was 33 at the time. Who did you go with with this? Whew, this is a tough one. It really is. Um, because Chris Farley, everyone called him the second coming of John, John Belushi. Belushi but... And who is the second coming of Chris Farley? Right. There's contenders. Yeah. There's contenders out there who are still alive. I'd think of a Bobby Moynihan. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, but who did you go with? Well, I went with a uh, 34-year-old to Chris Farley's 33. Actually, he's going to be 34 in a matter of days. Okay. Um, and... You don't associate him with comedy, but turns out he's pretty funny, and he has some comedy under his belt just recently. Um, he was in uh, Black Klansman, The Five Bloods, mm-hmm. I, Tonya, and Richard Jewell. Yes. But he was most recently in the new Reno 911 series on that Quibi okay. channel. Uh, playing the role of Jeff Jeffy Renee Chisholm. Get all three names. I'm going with Paul Walter Hauser. Yes, dude, that's an awesome pick. Hats off to you, sir. That's tough. That are, excuse me, headband off to you, sir. <laughs> um, my actor, I've definitely shopped and chopped him before, um, and he's not nearly as overweight as Chris Farley. But he does have some similar mannerisms and some similar comedic stylings. Uh, he's 36 now. He was in Game Over Man, Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, and When We First Met, his name is Adam Devine. Oh, good. Adam Devine. He's got that just that right amount of goofiness. Yeah. Yeah, I could see him playing this part. Obviously not at the same rot- Girth. rotund nature. I mean, but- he might he might be able to to put on weight for it if he's a... Method actor. <laughs> um, next, we've got Sally Jones slash Allison Page, played by Nicolette Sheridan, who was 34 at the time. And boy, was she pretty in this she movie. She was very beautiful. And I went with a 35-year-old actress who is, in my opinion, equally pretty. Um, she did a short run on the Flash TV series. She was in The Final Destination. She was on One Tree Hill. She was on the show Shooter on USA Network. Uh-huh. Uh, but most recently, you can see her on For All Mankind, the TV series. And right now, you can watch her on The Boys as Becca Butcher. I went with Chantel Van Santen. Yeah. Um, so when you say right now, don't stop the show. 
my pick is 34 now as well. She was in Warm Bodies. She was in Hacksaw Ridge. And she was in Lights Out. Her name is Teresa Palmer. Teresa Palmer is my pick for the Sally Jones slash Allison Page role. I, I dig it. Yeah, Can yeah. you see it? Uh-huh. Okay, is that cord in the way? No, no, I can see. Good. All right, next we've got, uh, excuse me, we've got Martin Tanley, the um, the up-to-no-good boyfriend slash murderer slash counterfeiter, uh, played by British actor Nathaniel Parker, who was 35 at the time. And who did you go with for this, sir? Um, I went with an actor who is of British descent, and uh, he's 37 years old, mm-hmm. and most people put him in the hero role, but I think that he would much he, he does much better as a villain. Okay, and I think he's done it on a few films. Uh, but anyway, you would know him from all of the DC Justice League bullshit movies. You would know him from The Witcher on TBS. Yeah, you'd know him from Mission Impossible. Uh huh. I went with the aforementioned Henry Cavill. Yeah, mustache or no mustache? Oh, mustache. Yes, for sure. All right, my actor is also British. He's 31 now. Uh, all of these are going to give it away. He was in Swiss Army Man, Guns Akimbo, Kill Your Darlings, Horns, and Harry Potter. I went with Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, nice. Daniel Radcliffe. I could see him yeah. doing that. Uh, he's going to have to go really unhinged like he did in Guns Akimbo, which is what this still is from. Next, we've got Sensei. Played by Soon Tech Oh, who was 65 at the time. I had no choice but to cast this actor. Mm-hmm. He's How six, old is he? He's 66 years okay, old. Okay, we did not pick we the same person. We did not. Yes. Oh, my. Um, he was in the Cannonball Run. Uh-huh. He was in Police Story. Yes. He was in Who Am I? The Legend of Drunken Master. And he was in Rush Hour 1 and 2. I went with Jackie fucking Chan. Jackie fucking Chan would be good. However... I will see your Jackie Chan and raise you a 57-year-old actor who's also Chinese and a martial artist. He was in Romeo Must Die, Hero, Kiss of the Dragon, and Lethal Weapon 4. It's Jet Li. Jet Li is a fantastic martial artist. And he's a treasure. We got one more. We got the bellboy, Joey Washington, played by a 32-year-old Chris Rock who befriends and helps out our hero, Haru. (laughs) And who was your pick for this role, sir? Um, I went with an actor who is 31 years old. He was in She's All That, Dirty Grandpa, Mm -hmm. Gridiron Gang. He played Little Richard in Get On Up. And I've recast him before. I really liked him in the TV series, You're the Worst. I went with Brandon Michael Smith. Oh, yeah. Nice. Nice job. My bellboy, Joey Washington, is also 32 now. He's in The Babysitter and The Babysitter Killer Queen. He's in When We First Met, along with Adam Devine. He's also in Game Over Man, along with Adam Devine. He's in Coffee and Kareem, and To All the Boys I've Loved Before, one of your favorites. Uh, his name is Andrew Bachelor, a.k.a. King Batch. Oh, King cool. Batch is one of the people 
who had the most followers on Vine before Vine went yeah. uh, defunct, and he made a film career out of it. That's cool. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah, I liked him in uh, the the Babysitter. I have not watched the Babysitter sequel. Neither have I. It's actually I started it this morning. It's in about, my queue. I got about ten minutes into it, and then I had to go do something. So. You had to go do something. <clears throat> uh, so. <laughs> I'm going to say in terms of final thoughts on Beverly Hills Ninja, I like it better than American Ninja. I did not like this movie at all. Okay. This is, of course, the last Chris Farley film. He mm-hmm. died the same year it was released. Um, I felt that that he was scraping the bottom of the barrel when it comes to his gimmicks and shtick, and I was really put out that they actually resorted to recycling his Chippendale sketch from SNL oh, in this movie. Okay. I, I felt it was really a lot of tried and played out. When he was disguised as a hibachi chef, I thought that was Horatio Sands. <laughs> Speaking of heirs to John Belushi. All right. So with that, we're going to go into our bonus segment. Yes. Are you ready for yes. a battle royale between three fictional ninjas? We've got Black Tarantula versus Naruto versus the Ninja Bread Man. Explain to me who some of these people are. All right. So Black uh, Tarantula is a villain from the Spider-Man universe who's also a ninja. Oh, okay. Then Naruto is the the main figure in the Naruto anime and manga series. Mm -hmm. And then the Ninja Bread Man is a children's book that's a parody of the Gingerbread Man with a ninja, Ninja Jinja. And it's also a video game. Oh, wow. I, I'm going to go with Naruto. Okay. I have a passing familiarity with Naruto. And that's it. I'm sorry. I got nothing. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, the Ninja Bread Man because he's transgender. <laughs> All right. We're going to wrap it up with that. And uh, we're going to thank Chelsea. I think she's probably somewhere in the shadows. She doesn't have any plugs. I also want to thank the engineer, my co-host and co-producer, uh, the silent assassin. And anything you want to plug, sir? Um, I will plug um, Halloween. Yes. It, it's fast approaching, which means on the show, we're going to be doing our usual October horror series. Frightful picks. Speaking of, do you know what next week's episode is? Oh yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, what is it? It's it's cult movies, and we need we do need to specify that we're not talking about films that have a cult following. No, we're, we're talking, talking about, about movies about cults. Yes, and uh, I do have a sneak preview question and answer for this upcoming week's trivia. Trivia is back September 30th, and so here's your question. In the 2011 film, Martha Marcy May Marlene, about life after living in a cult for years, who plays the title role? She's uh, one of my favorites. Oh, uh, Winstead. Nope. Damn. Um, She's the talented one in her family. Oh, 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 I got you. It's um, a, a, a Scarlet Witch. Yes. Come on. Um, uh, Think the of the last Olsen, name Elizabeth Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen. And if you've not seen that film. I've not. Seriously, check it out. It's a great, 
movie about a cult. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. I, my, my mind's racing at what I can do with my double features. And we want to plug the podcast itself. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on all of your podcatcher apps. We are online on podbean.com at Cinema Chop Shop. And you can listen to us directly from there. But we're also on Twitter. It's at Cinema Chop Shop. We're Cinema Chop Shop on Facebook. Cinema Chop Shop at gmail.com is our email address. And the two beers that we checked in today are going to be checked in on Untapped. That's U-N-T-A-P-P-D. And we are Cinema Chop Shop on there. Uh, if you're on Untapped, give us a follow. And I want to plug uh, the Alamo Alamo Live. What is yeah. it? Alamo On Demand is is allowing users to stream Fantastic Fest for free. Yes. Now, is, you do have to create a free account. This is Alamo Drafthouse. Alamo Drafthouse, yes. And you do have to create a free account, but you also have to RSVP for the movies that you want to see, and there's limited. it's a limited number of RSVPs. Okay. So uh, well, make sure that you do that. I'm going to piggyback that with yes. a, another plug. Then uh, our peers, Paul Shear and oh, yes. Zukas, uh they're doing how did this get made they're doing a live stream live performance and they're going to be doing cats so are they going to be riffing on cats while playing it or are they going to you're supposed to have watched it yeah first? it's going to be like any of their shows yes. that they, the expectation is that you've seen the film okay and they're going to do their thing they'll show clips throughout so we have to watch cats before that um having seen them live um i can highly recommend this it will be worth it i think it's 15 dollars if you sign up and pay before the day of the show, I uh, think like $20 day of it's uh, October 9th. Yes. It's a, uh, it is October 9th. It's a Friday at night, 9, 9 PM, 9 PM Eastern. All right. Also, I want to plug the following tip your bartenders, black lives matter. The West coast is on fire and watch shop. Retrofit. Retrofit. Tip your hibachi chefs. <laughs>